Hi, I'm Bill the Counselor. Welcome to The Gentle Podcast, a place to learn new skills to repair wounded relationships and enrich great relationships. I'm a licensed professional counselor with over 40 years experience as a counselor and over 40 years experience being married. If you want to learn how to repair broken relationships, recover from damaging relationships, build new healthy relationships, or to enrich an existing relationship, this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Bill the Counselor. Welcome to another edition of The Gentle Podcast. Today I'll be discussing something that's rather difficult but very important, the ending of relationship. And though what I will be speaking about is directed towards long-term paired relationships, it can easily be extrapolated to all kinds of relationships, including friendships, sibling relationships, and even parent-child relationships. The ending of a relationship is a hard, hard thing. I know. My relationship with my beloved partner ended when she died more than a year ago, and I'm still working hard at recovering from both the shock and the vast number of adjustments that I've had to go through. But other relationships die as well long-term friendships and love relationships that end when one or both people decide that they can no longer abide the pain that they are experiencing in the relationship. Though this is not the forum to press the listener to reconsider if ending a relationship is the best thing to do, I do hold a bias that long-term paired relationships are better off attempting repair than deciding to cut them off. I'm going to cover today the two most important things I try to convey to my clients that are in the position of their primary paired relationship ending. First, achieving an emotional as well as legal separation or divorce, or achieving emotional balance as a result of the death of your spouse. And then secondly, positive engagement in the healing process and moving forward as the result of a relationship ending. Lots of people have legal separations or divorces, but not many people are able to achieve emotional separation or emotional divorce. If you've been through this yourself, you understand how hard it is to negotiate the intense emotions inside of your own head. You know, the anger resentment, the frustration, the daily headaches of thinking about what your ex is doing or not doing, what kind of pressure or difficulty will be coming at you next from your ex's camp. And if you have children together and you're in a custody battle, well, you know how complex that can get. If your partner has passed away, the huge mix of emotions are very similar. The anger, resentment, the regrets, the challenges of loneliness and daily practical concerns, you know, the stuff that your other team member used to handle, but now is on you. And for both those with an ex and those who have lost their partner to death, there is grief. Yeah, grief when you separate or divorce. It's a very complex ball of emotion that must be worked through. 
it simply doesn't melt away just because it's uncomfortable. It profoundly alters your entire way of being, thinking, and feeling about yourself, the person you lost, and the world at large. Let's face it, the ending of a relationship is life-changing. There seems to be three basic time frames. When everything was good, maybe even great. When things started to go bad. And then the aftermath of the ending of the relationship. All hard stuff, no doubt. And the grief includes things like what could have been, what should have been. Where you are at this point in your life certainly is not where you expected or ever wanted to be. If we do not form a solid plan and engage with that plan after the actual ending, there may be, in fact, no easing or even ending to our intense pain and suffering. If you've heard me speak about broken relationships before, you know I often state that it's a very positive choice to take at least a year to heal after a broken relationship. As many listeners may have experienced, the temptation to rush ahead into a new relationship is a genuine and present temptation, but a likely mistake. When we have not healed properly, we at least put tremendous pressure on any new relationship and may even doom that relationship by bringing along the ghost of the previous relationship. In this context, even a year may not be enough time for proper healing. But taking a year as an example, the first three months are time frame where we need to give ourselves permission for what I call intense grieving. It's not that we will ever stop being sad about a broken relationship or grieving over the death of a partner, but we do need time to process and work through the shock and other intense emotions that are very common during this period, right after the loss. Having a support network is important for this time because we're probably not functioning at our optimum level at this point, post-relationship. Keep in mind that it might be a good idea to make a skilled professional helper part of this support network. After these first few months, the case of uh, a death-ending relationship and a broken-ending relationship diverge a bit. For those who are suffering a death-ending relationship, the task is to continue the grief work that they've already started, and that that, that kind of holds complexities that we're, we're not going to go into here in this brief forum. But suffice it to say that remainder of the proposed uh, year time frame is still both full of internal and external tasks to be done. Things from like learning to live alone to processing a life without our beloved. For those suffering broken relationship, all the tasks of grieving continue, but with the added need to attend to beginning to understand what happened in the relationship that caused it to break so irretrievably. This forensic review, if you will, needs to be thorough and fearless, 
thorough so that no stone goes unturned in finding out what exactly was at play in the demise of a once pleasing relationship. And fearless because it's very important to be honest with yourself about your own errors and actions that contributed to the breaking of the relationship. The goal is to come up with a list of actionable items concerning self-growth and self-change so that you never repeat the same errors ever again in any relationship. This process may take an additional few months, but can become smoother and more efficient again if you choose to enlist the help of a qualified professional counselor. The remainder of the year might best be described as retraining. This applies for both the individual suffering a broken relationship as well as the individual suffering the death of their partner. In the latter case, the retraining entails learning how to feel whole again as an autonomous being and how to reintegrate into life and social contexts in a healthy way and a positive manner. For the individual who has suffered a broken relationship, the task becomes paying attention to and working hard at changing the actionable items that they discovered during their forensic study of themselves and the relationship. Concurrently, throughout the year time frame, and by extension a perpetual habit to achieve, is to give proper attention to self-care during the entire recovery process. This self-care is best addressed with what I call my 3 by 6 model. Of special note is the portion of the model that I label six positive practices, which includes attention to our thinking, our behaviors, our emotions, our physical self-care, development and sharpening of our relationship skills, and attention to our spiritual well-being. You can learn more about uh, those important practice points by going back a little bit to an earlier podcast I've done on the 3x6 model. What is essential in the recovery process from a broken or lost relationship is acute attention to our thought processes and behaviors. Without monitoring and challenging our thinking to remove unneeded and toxic negative thinking, we surely will become negatively emotional and then behave in ways that, well, at least do not help our situation and at worst, make it more complicated and painful. The only way I know to move forward in a positive manner is to commit myself to examining my thinking often. And when I say often, I mean often, repeatedly, hourly, even more than hourly, filtering out all of my negative thoughts, catching them in the net. And when I find a negative thought, step back in and examine it with a critical, impartial eye to see first, is that thought valid? And secondly, is it going to help me in any way to feel better? Often my negative thoughts fail these two critical tests. When they do, I put into action my plan to shift my thinking attention to something else, 
something more positive or productive, or best of all, shift my attention and thinking right to the moment I find myself in. Even if the only thing I can do in that moment is to place my attention on my own breathing, that's what I do. In this way, I calm both my body and my mind and shift my mind away from the toxicity that I call stinking thinking. When I challenge my thinking, shifting my thoughts to a more positive frame, it makes it easier for me to alter my behaviors from self-defeating behaviors to those that will assist in my emotional and psychological recovery. Essentially, this is the path to positivity, engaging in a plan to move forward in life. Rather than being stuck in never-ending reactive cycles with an X, or the dangerous self-pity of depressing thoughts and actions. I hope you find yourself moving forward with your healing if you're listening to this day uh, and working uh, at a recovery following the ending of an important relationship in your life. Stop back often to hear more about the skills of relationship that we can learn together and practice together to help our lives feel more secure, serene, and satisfying. Bye now.